Hey, everybody. Hey, we know we're stacking these breakouts like back to back to back really quickly. So if y'all need to get up and get coffee and go to the bathroom and stuff like that, feel free. Because uh, we know it's a long time sitting. Uh, so I want to talk to y'all this morning about sharing the gospel. And I know it, it seems kind of strange that we'd focus on sharing the gospel since that's what you do. <laughs> that's, why, that's why you're here, because you love students and you want them to love Jesus. But primarily what I want to talk about is how to instill in students a passion for them to share the gospel. Uh, how to instill in them to be passionate for the lost that are in our communities, uh, in our cities, in our schools, but also for the lost globally. Uh, there is huge need globally. Um, and we, we have the gospel. And so what I want to do is I, I want to talk about um, teaching your students how to share the gospel is one of the most important things you will teach them. You have them for so short a time. You only have them for a few years of life. I mean, just a blink and it's gone. I'm sure y'all have seen waves of students come through and gone, come through and gone, and they're gone quick. And so you want to pack so much in there. We've been talking about teaching the scripture and teaching doctrine. And I'll say, once these students have a firm grasp on the gospel, many times we talk about students sharing the gospel with others as almost icing on the cake. You know, like, as long as they're doing good, as long as they're reading the Bible, as long as they're pretty moral, then, you know, if they share the gospel, great, but that's icing on the cake. But I want to say that that, that is foundational. It's foundational. It's one of the most important things that we'll teach the students. I think the primary way that we will teach students is by our example. I want to look at this scripture verse in 1 Peter 5, 1 through 4. It says, So I exhort the elders among you, as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, says Peter, as well as a partaker in the glory that's going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that's among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you. Not for shameful gain, but eagerly. Not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you'll receive the unfading crown of glory. So we're to lead by example, primarily in sharing the gospel. So why? Why why is it so important that students learn to share the gospel? Why is this one of the most important things you'll teach them? I want to give three reasons why I think that our youth ministries should be more intentional about pushing students to be concerned about the lostness of man. The first reason, because of the reality of hell. Hell is real. It's terrifying. I taught a breakout session on hell two years ago. You know, there were a lot of books that came out two years ago that kind of denied the existence of hell or denied its reality or its eternality or, or that anyone actually goes there. And I, I studied on this topic because, you know, I, I really wrestled with it myself. Like, how is it that God can punish sinners for eternity? And is it really flames? Is it really terrible? And the more I studied, the more I dreaded Wednesdays teaching it. Every Wednesday I'd wake up and just feel this, this weight, knowing that I had to teach on the eternality and the terribleness of the, the existence of hell. So I want to look at a couple of images really quick. That students should feel the weight of, that we should preach to ourselves and we should be reminded of. Some of the images we see in the Bible for hell, in Matthew, Second Peter, and Jude, it talks about hell as darkness. Matthew, in many places, in Jude and Luke, it talks about it as fire or a lake of fire. Daniel, Matthew, Mark, Jude, Revelation, Second Thessalonians talk about hell as eternal. Luke describes it as unquenchable thirst. 
Matthew and Luke describe it as the gnashing of teeth. Matthew and Mark both describe it as worse than physical pain. Terrifying. Worse than physical pain. Daniel as everlasting contempt. John, 2 Thessalonians, and Judas, punishment or judgment. Luke describes it as torment. And Revelation gives us this picture that, that hell is the fury and the full weight of the wrath of God. That's terrifying. And so you wonder that, you know, like, all right, so it gives us these images in the scripture. So is it literal or is it allegorical? As we look at this, you know, J.I. Packer, he believes this allegory. And he says, don't try to imagine what it's like to be in hell. The mistake is to take such pictures as physical descriptions. When in fact, they are imagery symbolizing realities worse than the symbols themselves. He's saying, if it's not literal flames, then it's worse. They're using the worst thing they can think of to describe this. And uh, Calvin, John Calvin says in, in the Institutes, he says, By such expressions, the Holy Spirit certainly intended to confound all of our senses with dread. Hell exists, it's real, and people who do not know Jesus go there. It's eternal, conscious torment. In light of that terrible reality, we should share the gospel. We should teach students in light of the existence of hell that we're to share the gospel. What's crazy is that we have warnings here on earth. You know, like we have physical warnings. You know, we see people dying of lung cancer, and so we're warned, don't smoke. We see people who are dying of cirrhosis of the liver. We watch someone die like that, and they're swelling, and they're sick, and they're poisoning themselves. And so we're warned, don't overdrink. Here's the consequence. But I think if we could see the reality of hell... We would share the gospel. Our ministries would be centered around sharing the gospel. The second reason I think that it's one of the most important things you'll teach students is because of the great need. Because of the great need. You know, more than 150,000 people die every day. Many of them plunge into hell. More than 150,000 people die every day. If you look at this chart, every year, the middle column there, every year, over 55 million people die. Every year. That makes every month 4.6 million people die roughly. That's that's the population of the state of Alabama. 4.6 million people every month. That translates to every day. Today, 151,000 people will die. Every hour, 6,319 people, give or take, die. That puts 105 people dying every minute. Almost two per second. Almost two people per second plunge into eternity, many of them into hell. It's urgent. There's so much lostness in the world, and y'all know this. Y'all know this. I, I preach this to myself as a reminder. Y'all know this, that your communities are lost. There are lost people that live within a mile of your church. There are lost people in your communities, and there are lost people around the world. You know, in the world, there's about 7 billion people. Over half of them, 3.96 billion are characterized as, are categorized as unreached. That's less than 2% Christian. 3.96 billion. There are 3,010 people groups that are completely unengaged. No known Christians. No work that's going to reach these people. That make up about 195 million people that have never heard. That if they woke up today and said, I want to hear about the one true God. No, they won't. They can't. There's no messenger going to these guys right now. Staggering. While in America, you know, we have 313 million people, and according to the the Pew Research, the latest one, they say 51.3% of Americans claim to be 
not just religious, but Protestant Christians. 51.3%. Now, we know that's not true. We know half of Americans aren't Christians. We live in these communities. We live in our churches. We know who claims to be a Christian and who lives like they're a Christian. There are lost people everywhere. But when you look at the dark corners of the world, there are people with zero access to the gospel. There's a great need. And the third reason I think we need to tell, tell our students about this is because of the command. We have been commanded to make disciples. That is a command to make disciples. Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And teach them to observe all I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Strangely, it seems that positive commands in Scripture do not carry the same weight in our minds as negative ones. The positive commands in Scripture, for some reason, don't carry the same weight as the negative ones. But to not obey this command is as serious as not obeying the command to not commit adultery or to not murder. They carry the same weight. These are positive. Some are negative. We are commanded to share the gospel. So in light of these three things, in light of the fact that we are commanded to share the gospel, in light of the fact that millions die with zero access to the gospel, millions Over half of the population of the U.S., that number dies with zero access to the gospel. And in light of the fact that those that die without Christ go to hell. In light of that fact, why aren't our churches making more disciples? Why are we, why am I not more passionate about this? Why am I not having more conversations? Why why aren't our student ministries geared towards making disciples more? They need to be. Why aren't our churches sending tons of people? Why aren't we throwing people towards the darkest corners of the world to make disciples if we know that there are areas where they have no access? So I'll ask a couple things. You know, maybe, I I truly think maybe it's because our flock, our students, many of them don't know how. They just don't know how to share the gospel. So I'll ask these questions, and, and I know many of yours are, but is your student ministry geared around the Great Commission? Is your student ministry geared around producing disciples who produce disciples? Do you talk about and strategize towards reaching the unreached in your neighborhood, in your city, in your county, in Yemen, in northern India? So let me give this. You know, we see a lot of students around, and we talk to them all the time about sharing the gospel. I want to give five reasons why I think students or student ministries don't evangelize. And uh, some of these came from a guy named Mike McKinley. He's a pastor. Um, so I want to give five reasons why I think students or student ministries don't evangelize. The first one is, number one, churches isolate Christians from unbelievers. We just don't know lost folks. Now, students do. Many students do, unless your students go to a Christian school. But, you know, I think a lot of times we kind of create this parallel track. Like, they have their schools, their radio stations, their restaurants, their coffee shops. We have our schools, our restaurants, our coffee shops, our education systems. And so we kind of live these parallel tracks where... Many of us, especially those of us in ministry, we don't, we don't really know lost folks. And I, and I think that's true more of us, of student ministers, than our students. Because our students go to schools, most of them public schools. But, anyway, you know, ask yourself, how many people do you know that are lost? Like, intimately know that are lost. How many people have you led to the Lord this past year outside of church? How many people have you led to the Lord this past year outside of church? How many people have you witnessed to outside of a church function? 
of FCA, of DNOWS, of, of the church building. So I think the first reason is that students don't know lost folks sometimes. The second one is that, number two, students believe that evangelism is for the pros. They have a friend that's lost. Great. They invite them to church. They bring them to you, which is awesome. That's great. You know, this student wants, wants this friend to know, and so they bring them to church. They got all this effort, and that's good. We want that. We want to encourage that with students, but we also want them to be able to articulate the gospel. Most students believe they are incapable of sharing the gospel. They just can't do it. And we need to equip every student to be a minister. The third reason is, and this is the main one, it's weird. Why don't we share the gospel? It feels weird. Man, it feels awkward. You know, sometimes, you know, you're like, oh, I should share the gospel with this person. I, I should do it. I need to. I need to. I'm going to. I'm going. How am I going to do it? All right. Let's think of a transition, a segue. We're talking about basketball. LeBron. LeBron. Who made LeBron? God made LeBron. And you, who's God's enemy? You. Ah, shoot. No, it's not, not good. You know, a lot of times, a lot of times I think we don't share the gospel because it, it really, it feels so weird and we don't know how to make that tone switch, you know, like talking about a switch between making jokes and having normal conversation talk about the reality about, of hell. That's a serious tone switch. You know what I mean? So like, how do we do that? How do we bridge that gap where it's so awkward? Because a lot of times it feels like a bait and switch, you know, like it feels like, you know, you're walking through the mall or whatever, and those guys at the kiosk, they're like, hey, man, they see your shirt, and they're like, hey, you like Georgia Bulldogs? I love Georgia Bulldogs. What's your wireless plan like? You know, and you're like, time out. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought this was a conversation. I'm sorry. You know, and that's what it feels like a lot of times. It's like we'll start a conversation with somebody on the plane, and it feels like a bait and switch, or it feels like, ah, you know, I, man, I thought this was a conversation. I didn't realize that, that you were soliciting. I didn't realize you were trying to sell me on Jesus. And so we don't, our students don't know how it feels weird and awkward. So either should I feel weird or guilty, weird or guilty, weird or guilty. I'll leave a track. Boom, baby. (laughs) You know, and I think that's, I think that's a lot of our cop out. We don't want to have a conversation. We can't bridge the awkward. And so that's, that's the main reason for me, I think. The fourth reason I think is that students don't feel the weight of the need. They don't know, 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 feel the weight of the lost. I didn't until 2008. And I'm sure I heard it, but it's not something my church focused on. It's not something my youth group talked about. We didn't talk about the unreached in the world. We didn't target areas and say, this area does not know Jesus. Here's the face of a man who does not know Jesus. I, I seriously thought all the way through college, why, I mean, even the beginnings of working here, I, I seriously thought, you know, every mountain's been climbed, all the ocean's been charted, all the people are reached. Now everybody's just got to deal with the message of the gospel. And that's not true. And I think a lot of students just don't know. They just don't feel the weight of this need to share the gospel because there are some that have never heard. And the last reason I think that students don't share the gospel is that students don't know the gospel. They aren't clear on the message. And you can't share something you don't know. That's why we've been harping on this all day. That's what Rob's been saying. Don't just pick a topic and roll with it and, and preach your favorite topic and rope Jesus in on that topic. You need to be teaching doctrine. We need to be teaching passages of the scripture. Do our students know the gospel? They can't share something they don't know. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 16 through 20. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old's passed away. Behold, the new has come. All of this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself, and listen to this, and gave us 
the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting the trespass against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, in light of this, we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. So we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The message of reconciliation is yours. And it belongs to your students. We need to teach students, you are God's, if you are Christ, if you are redeemed, you are a messenger. You, have, you are imploring people on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. That's serious. Because uh, I think most... And, and, and for good reason, like I, I, th- I think a lot of like evangelism conferences, they focus on methods and not the message. When we've not been entrusted with the methods of evangelism, we've been entrusted with the message of the gospel. And if, we're not, if we don't know it, if we don't communicate that, students will be lost and they'll look for a line. They'll look for a script, you know, like a telemarketer. You get those guys on the phone, they're good to go as long as they stay with the plan. But you ask them a weird question, it's like... Uh, reset and they'll start back with a script and you'll be like no no time out we're having a conversation i had a me and zach were at a bojangles and uh <laughs> it wasn't good that's the only time i've ever eaten there but uh we had this bojangles and this couple was sitting kind of next to us in the booth and uh and they came over to share the gospel with us and it was it was cool man i like it when people share the gospel with me but they kind of had a track like that they were they were rolling and they had this it almost seemed like a drama and they, they had this back and forth. It was a husband and wife couple. And they'd be like, oh, da, 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 da. oh, yeah, do you feel that way, Tammy? I do, Tommy. That's right, Tammy. That's right, Tommy. And we were like, whoa. And so we'd kind of break in on occasion and be like, so what do you think about? And they'd be like, so, Tammy, I was thinking. You'd be like, oh, you know, like they just had this track that they go on. And so I think if students don't know the message of the gospel, then if somebody asks them a question, it's like, eject. Abort, abort, you know, and until you can get back on track. And so it's so important that we're bringing the message, not primarily methods. Now, they need a method. Like, it's good to talk, and we'll talk in a second. It's good to talk about practical ways to share the gospel. But primarily, it's the gospel. It needs to be important to us, so it flows out of our mouth and impacts people because we see the need they have for the gospel. So who do we bring the message to? Y'all know, y'all are doing it. To the community you live in. Bring the message to the unlovable in your community. Bring the message to everyone. Y'all, know, y'all, could, y'all could each tell a hundred stories about people in your communities that need Jesus. And the church is God's plan to reach the lost around you. It is. And you guys are doing the work. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord for youth pastors like you. And for youth leaders like you. Adult volunteers like you. Praise the Lord. That's good. Now equip your students to do the same. Equip your students or this dies with you, right? And so first we bring it locally, but second we bring it globally. It is the job of the church globally to spread the gospel. So your church in Macon, Georgia, in North Florida, in Virginia, your church should be about making disciples of all nations, right? So be involved in telling your students about unreached people groups. Because there's lostness that's out of proportion in other areas of the world. And students should understand they must be involved in global missions that millions are dying without Christ. We have a team right now in northern India that are speaking Monday through Saturday. Today they get home. They are speaking to one of those 3,000 unreached people groups this week. 
It's huge. Man, so exciting. And we're part of it. This is the church. This is the church. And what's crazy is my kids are part of it. My kids are five and four. And they're so excited because they're like, Saturday, they get back, right? They get back from telling those people about Jesus. We need that. We need to be a part of that. So teach your youth, number one, the message of the gospel. Study, please. Study the Bible. Teach them well. Don't cram on Wednesday afternoons. Study the Bible. And teach the message. Don't memorize gimmicks to share the gospel. Memorize the word. Don't know all the arguments. Know the word. Don't speak about feelings and promises primarily. Speak about the word. If you don't know the scriptures, if students don't know the scriptures, then they can't truly evangelize. You need to be preaching and studying and then preaching a robust, God-centered gospel. We've covered that already. You need to be studying to teach the gospel. The second thing is, this is crucial. You need to example it. I am preaching to myself here. We need to example it. It's huge. My daughter is five. My oldest daughter, she's awesome. And uh, she, she, I mean, like, we want to make sure she understands the gospel. It's great. And so all the time she'd be like, oh, I'm one of God's people. I'm one of God's people. Let me get baptized today. And we're like, all right, we want to make sure you understand. She's like, I understand it. I'm one of God's people. You know, she's very passionate about this. And so like, uh, and, and me and a friend were having a conversation the other day about, man, our, our daughters all the time will be like, what about those people over there? Do you think they know Jesus? And I'll say, I don't know, baby. And she goes, let's go tell them. What do you do? Do we example right then? This is something we talk about, but we don't do it. We're, we're in the grocery store, and my daughter, we're, talking to the, we're walking down the aisle. We're not talking to anybody. We're walking down the aisle, and this lady's looking at soup, and my daughter comes up and says, Hey, I'm Alani. We love God. Chicken mushroom, huh? You know, like, uh, so for me, what do I do? I better not push her away and say, no, nah, baby, we don't talk to people like that. I better not. I'm going to squish that. Now, I better bear the awkwardness of that situation and say, yeah, we do. Do you? It's going to be weird. It's going to be awkward. But it better be weird and awkward for me and me show my daughter that that is a priority. Our youth, you know, we think, man, if, if, my, if my students could only see this done, that's what we're for. We're supposed to example it. We're supposed to have the awkward transitions in conversation so that we can tell our students about it. They should see this walked out by us. They should see us when we have friends that are lost. They should see us going to places where lost people are so we can build relationships. And they should watch us in that awkward transition and talking about Jesus. You know, maybe we invite someone out of a normal softball environment and say, Hey, dude, can we go get coffee? Invite them into an a better environment to have a weird, a, a, a bigger, deeper, more serious conversation than, than in passing, right? But they should see that. They should, they should both watch us do it and then hear us tell about it. We should example that. I think a lot of discipleship is caught rather than taught. Students won't get it from a lecture most times. They'll get it from watching. And like C.S. Lewis talks about, they'll catch the good infection. And from us... They better not leave youth groups or this camp. And the only thing they remember is my passion for Go Dogs or Roll Tide or War Eagle or your favorite show. 
that better not be the good infection they catch from you. We're entrusted with the message of reconciliation to make disciples who make disciples. Let me read this last verse in closing. Matthew 24, 10 through 14. Oh, I got it right here. Matthew 24, 10 through 14. This is so encouraging. Jesus is talking about the end times and he says, And many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. And many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. And because lawlessness will be increased, the love of many will grow cold. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. And listen to this. And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. It's going to happen. All people groups, all nations will know the gospel. And we can be a part of it. We can. God doesn't need us, but he, in his grace, he lets us be a part of it. He lets us be a part. You can hop on a plane right now and be in the darkest corners of the world in two days. For real. Two days. Some practical tips. Number one, locally have a plan for your town. Have a plan for your town. Have a plan for reaching the the lost in your town. Have events for reaching the lost in your town. Number two, as far as the unreached, some things to help your students out. Uh, Have an unreached people group of the week. Show their pictures. Talk about their culture. If you need some resources, joshuaproject.net, great resource. Have an unreached people group of the week. The third one is, have your students write letters to persecuted Christians. There are Christians in prison for the gospel right now. Look at Voice of the Martyrs. They'll give you lists and addresses of governments, of prisons, where you can write to people who are their age who are in prison for the gospel. The fourth one is partner with missionaries. Have somebody that you know that's sharing the gospel in the darkest corners. Team up with somebody. If you don't know of somebody, send somebody. Send somebody to go to the darkest corners and then partner with them and let it be a part of what you talk about. Let them be your students' heroes. Let them tell stories about so-and-so in Sudan. Bottom line is youth pastors who are passionate about the nations produce students who are passionate about the nations. So teach the gospel. Time's short. Let me, uh, I'm going to close a prayer and then I'm going to introduce the next speaker. Jesus, I pray that we, me included, would be people that preach and teach and believe and obey and spread the gospel. God, I know that I have a command to spread it, and I'm disobedient many times, God. And I know that there are unreached, and I know that hell exists, and still I prefer to watch Netflix. And I, I pray that you would... Let our youth ministries, our churches be about the gospel, the spread of the gospel, the teaching of the gospel, centered around you, Jesus, that we be about you, about obeying you. Jesus, we love you. We need you. In your name we pray. Amen.